Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Western Conference Wednesday. Today, we are here to talk about the biggest questions surrounding the teams in the Central Division and who might be taking steps forward and who might be taking some steps back. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Locked On NHL. Today is Western Conference Wednesday with your usual partners in crime here. I'm Jess Bell of Locked On Calgary Flames, and we have Brett Holden of Locked On Oilers here to you for you today. How are you, Brett? I'm not too bad. It's been a nice couple of weeks here in Edmonton. It's uh, the weather helps with the attitude. That's that's the biggest thing. How about you? Yeah, you know, it's I don't want to say it's starting to cool down in upstate New York, but it's definitely like you're starting to see a little bit of fall and it's kind of nice. But then you're also reminded of how awful the winters are. So, you know, we're just kind of taking in this last week of August and just going to roll into the fall, all the pumpkin spice, cinnamon, <laughs> apple, you name it. We're, I'm here for it. But all the warm flavors. Exactly. Just like those comfort, like cozy foods. I'm ready. Mm. Ready for all the crock pot meals. <laughs> <laughs> and for hockey to be back, honestly. Naturally. But I figured today we could follow up uh, with what we did last week with the Pacific Division's biggest questions. But instead, we will have the Central. Yeah, the Central Division is a little bit of uh, an up-in-the-air type division, or maybe not necessarily up-in-the-air division, but it's definitely different from the Pacific, like you mentioned before we came on. The Pacific Division was the -the up-in-the-air division, where you're just like, oh, anything can happen, here's this, that, and the other thing. And then you see the Central Division, you're like, ah, Cool. Sounds good. Uh, They obviously have the reigning Stanley Cup champions, some very strong teams, some interesting additions. But let's start off at the bottom from last year with the Arizona Coyotes. Jess, what is your biggest question going into next season for the Arizona Coyotes? You know, how are they going to respond to all the noise around the team? I think it's so hard to focus on their actual hockey when they are playing in a college arena and whether you think it's super cool that they're doing this or it's horrible for the game, you know, we need to realize that this could impact their season uh, and how they play on the ice and how they respond to all the media attention. And that's, I feel like that's all that I could think of with them right now. I mean, it's fair though, because there, there is, you're playing in a 5,000 seat arena, which you haven't really done. If you're an NHL or since not even major junior, really major junior even has a lot more fans going to those games. Uh, and there's still, uh, even if you go to college, like Claire Drake arena feels like it's here in Edmonton feels like it's bigger than what 5,000 are they allowing in there? And I think and the, 
is around that. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, and with Arizona being Arizona, how many snowbirds, especially from Canada, from colder states are coming down to, to live there or stay there or visit there most of the fans probably aren't going to be Arizona Coyote fans in that small arena anyways. So that's home games. Aren't really going to feel like home games for them at all in Arizona. Definitely. And, you know, I was thinking back to last season, Uh, you know, they were still playing at their regular arena, but they played the Bruins. And one of my friends from Boston moved out to Arizona and he went still a Bruins fan it was silent pretty much for when they welcomed the Arizona Coyotes and you would have thought it was a home game for the Bruins. That so I don't know. It's just something to look at and to think about. And, you know, it could be really cool or it could be really bad. Yeah, that's the thing as well. See, and for me, I'm, I am going a little bit more on the ice and that is uh, the youth. Is the youth, are the kids okay? Or, or can the kids contribute right away? Because the thing is, is the Arizona Coyotes aren't necessarily done yet. And the unfortunate thing is, is that the move that they are probably going to make, and that is moving Jacob Chikrin, really depletes an already depleted defensive core for the uh, Arizona Coyotes. I mean, J.J. Moser, which was their like second or third round pick last year in uh, the 2021 NHL draft, actually played last year for them, which is very mm, interesting. Uh, they have Dyson Mayo, an Edmonton Oil King legend who's been in the, the uh, Coyotes organization for a while. But then uh, Troy Stetcher, is he really a needle mover? Connor Timmins, is he a needle mover? Uh, Shane Goss's bear is... I mean, a little bit of a resurgency there, but there was just nothing. Really, the only thing for me that I like a lot about the Arizona Coyotes is their goaltending, kind of. Or maybe I should say more their goaltender. I like Carol Vamelka. I think he, he's very solid. He's in a tough situation in Arizona. But he made the most of it last year. So that that's my biggest thing is, will the youth be able to help guys like Vamelka? And if uh, 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 Chikrin gets moved, can those youth step up? Right. It's kind of like a what now situation. And I feel like the trade rumors around Chikrin have been what? All of last season, a little bit towards the end of the shortened season as well. So I wonder what the holdup is. You know, I, I don't know. Is it potentially because of the next team that we're going to go into? And I'm going to say the Chicago Blackhawks. Do they potentially have a piece that uh, may be on the move pretty soon and maybe hiding or, or holding some things up? Uh, I, I, th- that's a little bit of a tease for my thing, but I, I will move on to the Chicago Blackhawks <laughs> here. Who or what do you think is the biggest question for the Blackhawks next year? Patrick what Kane. Patrick Kane. You know, I think that him and Jonathan Taves are um, big questions, but I think it's more likely we'll see Patrick Kane moved. It's very confusing to me. Um, Jonathan Taves as a leader is very questionable to me. And then with Alex, when Alex Debrinket left, when he was traded, I he was traded right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I 
It's been a wild offseason. <laughs> I kind of knew that this team would be unraveling even more than they already have been for the past few years because Debrinkit was kind of the guy that they were building around, or I would have assumed you would build around once Kane and Taves are gone. You know, you just kind of ride out the end of their little contract or move <laughs> on from one of them. And you really focus on that. But Patrick Kane is, you know, up on the chopping block. Yeah. And that's the thing that kind of goes towards what we were just talking about with Jacob Chikrin. Does a Patrick Kane move kind of put uh, Jacob Chikrin in the queue? Because some teams there are, and I say some teams as in the, the one over my left shoulder here with uh, the Edmonton Oilers, there are questions on whether or not the Edmonton Oilers should deal for Patrick Kane or Jacob Chikrin. And that is kind of the deal with a lot of the teams that are talking about Patrick Kane is, okay, can we absolutely bolster our offense or should we take a look at our defense? And that's my question is Patrick Kane. When does Patrick Kane move? What comes back in return for Patrick Kane? And what do they do from there? My big thing again is kind of with the, the youth of that team I'm not going to lie. They have a lot of draft picks. Not a lot of them do I think are uber fantastic. They just selected uh, Kevin Korchinski in the past uh, uh, draft. Kevin Korchinski's offensive uh, capabilities are through the roof. But my issue with Korchinski is his defensive work rate. Yeah, I don't. I think sometimes he gets lost in his own end and he isn't fantastic at recovering. And that defensive work rate isn't exactly there. Obviously, the offensive upside, as mentioned, is there. But other than that, Frank Nazar, they selected this year, very solid pick. But again, not necessarily a guy that you're going to try and build your. Uh, uh, um, organization around i just don't see a lot of promise from the organization out of basically within the organization so what can they or what will they get from patrick kane and what will they do afterwards with those players and well basically a haul the haul that they get with them yeah absolutely and you know i thought that kyle davidson had a really promising kind of like attitude with his hiring and kind of like what he had was already tinkering with. But then just like everything else involving this hockey team, it kind of showed its uh, ugly head very soon. And, you know, maybe I am being too harsh because it hasn't been a full off season where he's in charge. So we'll have to see. I don't know. I I'm interested to see who ends up getting Patrick Kane. That's really the biggest thing. That is the biggest thing. And again, just to kind of my point again with their prospects, I'm looking through this prospect pool and I, I can't tell you it's anything to write home about. I mean, they have Colton Dock in there as well, a fantastic player, but they just traded Kirby. So I don't assume he's going to to join that team at any point. Genuinely, my favorite player within their organization or favorite prospect that they have is Nolan Allen, who is a a defenseman out of uh, uh, the uh, WHL. Uh, I just, I don't... There's not a lot of top-end prospect talent for me in the Blackhawks organization, and I I just don't see a very promising future for this team coming up at all. 
Rats. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> man, that's such a shame. Dang it. Um, Couldn't happen to a better organization. I know, seriously. <laughs> and do we travel north to we Winnipeg? Are- Yes, we are going, we're going north and then we're going to take a quick, uh, we're going to go north and then we're coming back south to uh, a very interesting kind of a, it feels kind of a Canadian type feel in in Nashville, but that's not where we're going yet. We are coming north to Winnipeg and boy, there are a lot of questions in Winnipeg this year. They fired their head coach. They have a new coach. At the end of last season, Mark Shifley went, oh, I'm going to have to see what, what's going on in the organization before I make my decision. And for me, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to go first here because I, no, accidentally, <laughs> I accidentally led into it too perfectly. But uh, yeah, for me, the question is the new regime because like Mark Shifley said before uh, uh, or at the end of last season, before, before the offseason, really the playoffs started, he sat there and went, well, I'm going to have to talk to my agent and talk to the organization and see what the next step is from here. And that's a guy who's a leader. I mean, they lost Andrew Kopp. Uh, I, I don't Connor Hellebuck is a shell of what he used to be. And I mean, Connor Hellebuck is trying his darndest with that, that Winnipeg Jets team in general, but they have the new coach. The new regime is going to be very interesting there. It's a matter of, there's a lot of good teams in this division and teams that are better than Winnipeg. It'll be a matter of if the coach can really get that team around him, get that locker room again together and really step out there and show the product that they have in the locker room onto the ice. Yeah, absolutely. And my in my notes, I have like every team written down and I just have a bunch of question marks next to Winnipeg because mm-hmm. I don't know what the state of this organization is. I am very confused because you have, you know, uh, Paul Statsny, he left. Yeah. Um, Andrew Kopp, like you said, Connor Hellebuck is not who he used to be. Uh, PLD was just kind of like, mm, no, those rumors of me wanting to leave aren't true. Mm-hmm. And addressed wow. it in a very weird way. Yeah. And I just, I think feel like Winnipeg is kind of in a position where the Flames were in uh, a few years ago. They have no identity. They're in this weird retooling transitional phase, and they need to figure it out. And if your guy, uh, you know, Mark Shifley, isn't going to be able to, you know, buck up and want to stick it out, you know, what do you do? Mm -hmm. Because Mark Shifley is one of the best players on that team. And I remember not so long ago, the Winnipeg Jets terrified me. They were a yeah. big, bad, scary team that their defense was good. Their forwards were just phenomenal. And now they, I just, the fall from grace has been very strange. The depth isn't there anymore for Winnipeg. I'm looking again at their their roster, and you have, like mentioned, Shifley, uh, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, who we mentioned, but is only there half, like half mentally. He doesn't want to be there. Let's be real. Blake Wheeler is reaching. He was born in 1986. I'm born in 1996. So the guy is 35 years old. So he's not necessarily. Actually, in fact, his birthday is next week. So happy birthday to Blake Wheeler. But uh, Blake Wheeler is there. Uh, Kyle Connor 
there. And then after that, it just goes, there's Mason Apple. Sorry. Did you mention um, Nikolai Ehlers? Yeah, there we go. Nick Ehlers. That, that was the one that I was looking for. Nick Ehlers as well. So and there you go. So that's that's basically a line. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then what? I mean, Cole Perfetti, a, a very solid rookie. He's very good, but is a guy who hasn't really been able to, to figure it out yet. He's been up and down between Winnipeg and Manitoba and hasn't really been able, which is, yes, the, the exact same place. I realize that, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but has been up and down within the levels there and hasn't been able to figure it out there. Other than that, Christian Veselainen, the same kind of deal with him there. Uh, just all over the place there are too many, like you said, question marks that Jansen Harkins I think is pretty decent but a guy is a depth guy you know a lot of their guys Adam Lowry a depth piece after that you just have a whole lot of man then their defense isn't what it used to be Neil Pionk is probably their best defenseman Billy Heinle hasn't been able to figure it out Logan Stanley I cannot stand he's six foot seven 228 pounds and acts like the 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 softest tough guy in the league Nate Schmidt is getting older he's not necessarily there anymore there I forgot sorry you were saying about Nate Schmidt yeah I forgot he was in Winnipeg yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. But that's the thing. Like, so many people get lost within this system that maybe this new coach can figure it out. But that, yeah. that is the question. Um, we shall move on to Nashville in just a second because Nashville, what a city that is. But we will move into them in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about our partners over at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events from the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news for every league, including major baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf. Again, I don't know why golf is the even one there when esports is the one before it, but no hate to esports because that is an amazing, amazing uh, business. But I feel like golf, you could throw more lines on golf than esports, I could have assumed, but shows how much I know about throwing money. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts they have you covered head to bet online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today bet online where the game starts where we are going to continue is that beautiful tennessee baby is i haven't been to nashville but i heard it's pretty nice i love it i've always yeah, I've been three or four times. I have always wanted to move there. And then, like, there's just, like, this mass exodus from California. And now everyone's moving to Nashville. I'm just like, oh, uh, I guess I, um, I'm not doing that. But yeah. okay, because they still have a fun hockey team. The vibes are immaculate in Nashville. And they have really good food. So... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nashville. That's the thing. I'm I'm a full Nashville, Tennessee honey hot or hot, oh. honey hockey honey chicken guy. But yeah, either way, hot chicken too. Oh my god, we could do a whole episode on that. Yeah. But, anyway, we're here for hockey, not food. Yeah, the <laughs> hockey teams. Um, Nashville is again one of those not as bad as Winnipeg, not yeah. as bad because they can compete. 
on some levels. But my biggest question for them is how can they sustain or find some success throughout this season? I feel like they're always kind of this middle of the road hockey team that can't take it to the next level, no matter how hard they try, whether they're injuries, inability behind the bench, or what whatever the issues are, I feel like they can never take that next step. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And for me, the reason why they can't take that next step is because they don't have a star on that hockey team or in that organization. Their most uh, impressive or most offensive player is Philip Forsberg, which I love Philip Forsberg. I think he's a fantastic hockey player. But is he a superstar? Is he a, a guy who's going to lead a team into a first round, into a second round, into a third round? Yes, playoffs are very much about a full-fledged team, a full four lines, a three defensive pairing, and as Edmonton Oilers fans realize, a goaltender as well. But and, and obviously, the Nashville Predators have had a long history of goaltenders. They have the next young, great Finnish goaltender in UC Soros as well. So that's not an issue. So what is? The defensive core has always been very good in Nashville. They've always had a very good defensive mindset. But that has been their downfall with their forwards as well. Their forwards have a defensive mindset as well. But you got to score goals to win hockey games. And then on top of it, who are you going to put out there for the power play? Because, yes, you have Philip Forsberg. You have Matt Duchesne, who is also a, a getting older as well. He is not who he used to be. Nino Ryder is a great hockey player, but I don't think he really moves the needle. Ely Tolvanen is just now trying to figure – or not trying to figure it out. He is just now figuring it out in – in the NHL after some question marks coming into his first full year. Yakov Trenin as well, a decent secondary scorer, but not your go-to guy. Can Tomasino now come in and, and be uh, a guy that a lot of people expected him to be out at juniors? I don't know. Tanner Janot is a massive, a great power forward, but not a guy who's putting the puck into the net. This is a team who is constructed around secondary scores and power forwards, but their secondary scores are their primary scores. So where's your secondary scoring coming from then? It just, it seems like the defensive part of their game is there and they're ready and is good and is, is solid but their scoring and offense just hasn't been able to figure it out for years. Yeah, I 100% agree. And yeah. you were able to put it into better words than I was. But that's really, that's the state of Nashville hockey. And I feel like, I don't know if it's the general managers and his cabinet of scouts or what, but they absolutely need to figure out they need to differentiate their primary scoring and secondary scoring. Yeah, it's almost a, a philosophy, I think, is the right word to use. It, it, they're just philosophy for what a winning hockey team looks like just is, is not successful. I, I, and again, it builds a very good hockey team. Yeah, 100%. 
but not a team that can win a cup. And again, David Poyle, I was looking it up just to make sure that David Poyle is in fact still the the president of hockey operations and general manager of the National Predators. And he has been since the start of their uh, existence, really. So I was going to say, wasn't that the same year you were born back in 96? (laughs) Yeah, I rest my case. There you go. Like, and that that was the type of hockey that was being played back then, right? So now it's 2022. Uh, I mean, you look at again. I will. I'll mention the Edmonton Oilers. Connor McDavid, Leon Draisaitl. Look at Calgary Flames. They have Huberdeau and Kadri now. You take a look at all these teams, and they have one two punch no matter what they have somebody out there that can score and those are the most successful teams look at uh, uh colorado with <laughs> name anybody i mean you could put uh mckinnon in there you can put landis cog in there you can put in a defenseman named nail get yeah, nail mccarr kale mccarr nail mccarr <laughs> <laughs> baby i love it that's uh that's a uh, nail yakupov's cousin but yes it, it, that's you take a look at all these successful teams. Look at Toronto. You got Marner and Matthews. Just, but then right. you go to Nashville and you go Philip Forsberg, and that's right. There's like so. okay, Philip Forsberg. Yeah, but uh, that was Nashville, a, a very uh, not too offensively gifted team. And we'll, we will go a little more south to uh, a team that is a little bit more offensively gifted, and that is the Dallas Stars. Jess. What is your biggest question for the Dallas Stars next season? Will they regress or will we see progress? Because Mm. they do have a mix of young talent coming in. And uh, especially, you know, with their goaltending. And then you have uh, Jason Robertson. And then, you know, you have older players who may have like the worst value contract. Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn who are there still. And you have to look at that team and think, you know, you took a very competitive Calgary Flames team to seven games over and those game seven went to overtime. Do you use that as motivation or are they going to slip back the same way they did when they went to the Stanley cup final in the bubble back in 2020? A hundred percent. No, I a hundred percent agree. And that's the thing. Like you said, they do. Uh, Mike, Jason Robertson, you are one of my favorite players in the league. Just one of it just does a lot of things. Right. It is a, has a very good attitude. Very fun to listen to. I, I mean, on top of it, you got guys like Tyler Seg and Jamie Ben looking at this team as well. I'm a big Ty Delandria guy. Uh, uh, Joe Pavelski, of course. How do oh, we yeah. not mention the massive season Joe Pavelski right. had last year. Uh, uh, then they signed as well Mason Marchment too. They brought in some very good guys. Lang- Logan Stankoven, who had a very solid uh, uh, World Juniors this past week or last couple of weeks as well for Team Canada. It just uh, Riley Tufty too, a big body, a big moving guy as well. But I think they have a very solid forward core. And but my question is, is the goaltending and it's not a negative question. My question of the goaltending is, can Jake Ottinger become the guy in Dallas? Because he really proved himself in that playoff series against the Calgary Flames. Sick. Fantastic. He almost won that series for them. Right. 
and that's the thing. So, uh, like you said, if the, when they go to when they went to the Stanley Cup Finals, that was great. But then what happened? Not much. Then last year they get back into the playoffs. They play a fantastic team in Calgary. Take them to seven overtime in Game Seven, and their goaltender was the reason why. So. Can he ride that wave? Because how many times have we seen goaltenders have a fantastic playoffs, a fantastic run, then all of a sudden just go, all of a sudden they're gone, right? Uh, I don't necessarily want to say Cam uh, Ward was uh, that type of goaltender, but take a look at what Cam Ward did his year. They won the Stanley Cup as well. Was the man in the NHL and was a little bit for a couple seasons after and then just became a backup goaltender, right? So it, 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 it I just want to see Jake. Know. That's it, well, the thing you never know. And my exactly. hope is that Ben Bishop just is able to mentor this monster that they have in net now yeah. because I feel like that's so important. And we saw it with um, Pecorine in Nashville oh. with Huso. Um, or you so sorry, so, Soros. Sorry, I'm looking at my screen reading. Yeah. Uh, no, no, you're right though. You, 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 you see yeah, you see Soros. <laughs> there we go. And you know, and how they were able to mentor and learn from you know uh, one of the greatest goaltenders, in my opinion. And then yeah. you have Ben Bishop, who was I hated playing him. I hated <laughs> playing against Dallas because there's just a brick wall in net and that's the kind of presence you're seeing with Jake Ottinger or at least what you saw through the playoffs and I want to see these two forces combine and just blossom into a fantastic goaltender unfortunately uh Ben Bishop retired because of his injuries, but he should still yeah. be close to the organization. Yeah, that's well. what I mean. Like coming yes. in as a mentor coach, not him like putting on the, you know. Yeah, I, I wanted to make sure because I'm oh, sure yeah. people are like, he retired. And I, I, I understood what you were saying because they do have a, I mean, Scott Wedgwood is a, a veteran goaltender as well who can be there, but he's not Ben Bishop. He's not who Ben Bishop was, you know, and, and Ben Bishop, I remember numerous times around uh, the league was considered one of the top goaltenders sometimes and, and was in the conversation as well and is uh, a fantastic mentor. Like you said, it's going to be and a, a big thing too, is whether or not he will not listen, but uh, sometimes you get guys who think they're, they're too good for, for guys like that. And it ends up being their downfall. I, I love that. I think Ben Bishop should be there with him and showing him the ropes and showing him what it's like being a professional goaltender and showing him what it's like being the guy in an organization because that's what guys need they need somebody to show them what what it takes and especially in an organization where your backup goaltender is scott wedgwood and your third uh third string goaltender is a dude by the name of adam shield which i have never heard of but uh you need somebody like that absolutely i love that yeah, I completely agree with you. And I just, you know, good luck to them. I I don't like rooting against the stars. Like, I don't actively root for them. But they're always, like, there's something about their organization. Just I think it's because it's, like, a non-traditional hockey market where I'm just yeah. like, please succeed. 
I remember playing against them in like the video games when I was younger and back then too, the Edmonton Oilers and the Dallas stars were like rivals too. Yeah. So I, I was never allowed to like them, but I was a big Marty Turco guy. So I, I feel that Marty Turco and Mike Medano were a couple of my favorite <laughs> players growing up. And I, I probably shouldn't admit that, but either That's way, cool. uh, that was Dallas. Let's move into St. Louis. And then we got the top two after that, but let's move into St. Louis. Jess, what is your biggest question for the st louis blues jordan bennington yeah that i just can bennington bennington gosh hold up and perform and sustain a level of success Mm -hmm. that um his former goaltender uh you know you see sorry no again i just did it again (laughs) who so um there it was. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, guys! I'm so sorry. I swear we're like not recording at 2 a.m. either. It's 3:30 <laughs> in the afternoon, and my brain is just not working. Uh, <laughs> but you know, Bennington signed this massive contract after the uh, Stanley Cup, and everyone knew that St. Louis was putting all of their eggs in one basket. St. Louis is still a good team. They've they've had some losses this offseason, but I would still consider them a good team. But it's up to Bennington if he yeah. can perform and sustain a level of solid goaltending. A hundred percent. And that that was kind of, I was going to use Bennington as well as one of my examples for Jake Ottinger because another guy who saw success in the playoffs saw success down the stretch. And mm-hmm. then ever since then, there's been a lot of question marks around Jordan Bennington. Is he the guy? Is Billy Huso the guy? Oh no, now he's laboring and now you need Billy Huso to be the guy, you know? Right. And then you saw what happened to him in, in the, uh, the playoffs just how easy it was for guys like Nazem Kadri to get under his skin and get into his head and then see what happened there. You know, it, I, I 100% agree. And that it took me a lot to not put Jordan Bennington as the question because that is, that is the reason or he will be the reason why they will or will not be successful this year. For me, I have their forward core. I, Ooh, I'm not a... Okay. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of it. I mean, you got Vladimir Tarasenko, you got Braden Shen, Ryan O'Reilly's getting older. I like Jordan Cairo, but you have a line and a half of very solid players. And again, it comes down to me is that that depth. And again, also, it kind of comes down to the depth of uh, their defense as well. I think Nico Mikola is the reason why the uh, uh, St. Louis Blues lost that game six against the uh, um, Colorado Avalanche because they're going into, in that game, in game six, they're going into overtime. No, no question about it. They're tied up. You're just taking your sweet time with the puck, waiting for the, the time to run out. I'll never forget this play because I, I, I called it from the moment that Nico Mikola took that puck and for whatever reason, with about 15 seconds left, dumped it into the Colorado Avalanche zone and gave Colorado the final possession of the game. Well, guess what happened? Colorado took that puck, went 200 feet the other way and scored and took their team to the Western Conference Finals. It was one of the most boneheaded plays I had ever seen in the NHL. And I knew from the moment that he gave it up to a fantastic hockey team that they were going to lose right there and then. Yeah. And since, 
since then, I just have too many question marks about not only the depth of their defense, of their forward core, but just of their mindset as well, their hockey IQ and, and their coaching and just go, what are you thinking? So I think maybe that's a little too much of a, of question marks or, or a rant or whatever it may be, but I, I just, I, there's too many for me almost. Yeah. I think that the St. Louis blues are definitely an interesting case. I, this division is usually one where, you know, you have like your top four, but I feel like we're going to see some slipping. Like they might still be your top four, teams but they're gonna be there's gonna be some major slippages when it comes to their records and their just overall hockey performance totally no 100 percent, i agree but coming up next we are going to wrap up the show with the two biggest questions surrounding the two best teams in the central division here unlocked on nhl brett how are you doing I'm doing well. I'm I'm kind of happy. I feel like, uh, especially with the list and the last two teams here, uh, you mentioned these are the two best teams. I, I do truly, I, I agree with that. But I think a lot of people are going to look at the second team and go, mm, maybe not. But I, I'm I'm 100% with you here. Yeah, you know, I think that the, do we start with the Wild? Do we start yeah, with the Wild? Yeah, yeah, might as well. I'll leave the Stanley Cup champs to later. Yeah, we'll finish it out. <laughs> they don't need any more publicity. <laughs> but the Minnesota Wild, to me, are a fascinating, fascinating case because I don't know if they know how good of a team they are. <sighs> That's, I just, every time I would check the standings, uh, like around the trade deadline last year, I'd be like, does Minnesota know that they're good? Because I don't think they do. And then they'd fall a little bit. And it was between uh, Minnesota and Nashville, I think, at one point for like a wild card spot. And I was like, what is going on? Like, what is, what are they doing? But my biggest question is, can they take this next step as a competitive hockey team? I think that they just... I don't know what it's going to take. They are a fantastic hockey team overall, but I don't know if they take themselves seriously enough to be this group of Stanley Cup champions. Like, I feel like it's so close. Mm -hmm. I a hundred percent agree with you. I think, and that's why I liked this because I, I love Minnesota. I think the Minnesota wild are a fantastic team. I am the biggest supporter of Matthew Boldy. There is, I got him in fantasy. I, I drafted him in fantasy, kept him tucked away the whole year. And I'm like, this is the guy I'm telling yep. you, this is the guy. And he, he showed up and proved to be the guy that a lot of people thought he was going to be. He came to a team that already had guys like Krill Kaprizov, uh, uh, Joel Erickson, who I think is basically Ryan Nugent Hopkins as well. 2.0. I say as well because I say uh, um, uh, Ryan McLeod is uh, Nugent Hopkins 2.0. But you take a look at a full 200 game, uh, 200 foot game of Joel Erickson. He can play in his own end. He can take important draws. He can play on the penalty kill and then go across on the other end in the offensive zone and take those important offensive zone draws, get good shots on net, and produce points as well. I love their forward core. Jordan Greenway, another guy who's still trying to kind of figure it out 
out, but uh, had a very good season last year. Big Matt Zuccarello guy yes. as well. Just all over the place have very good players, especially on that back end. I think is probably the best defensive core in the league. No offense to the Calgary Flames, but okay. Jonas Brodeen, Matt Dumba, Alex Goligoski, Dmitry Kulikov, John Merrill, Jacob Middleton, Jared Spurgeon. Fantastic goal or goaltending, um, <laughs> defensive pros or um, defensive core, I should say. And then they have some pretty solid prospects on top of it. I'm a big Carson Lambos guy. They have Jack Peart as well, defensively, Damian Hunt. And then forward core, they have Marco Rossi, uh, Danila Yurev. Uh, oh, they traded for Brock Faber as well, of course. How could I forget about that? David Spotchak. They have a lot of very good things coming down the line for them. And very good players as well coming down the line for them. But my biggest question for them is their second line. Uh, I mentioned I love their forward core. I, I like, obviously, Kaprizov and, and, and uh, Erickson Eck and, and all these forwards. But what happens on the second line? There, There's a little bit of... Uh, not necessarily too many players up in the air for me in that second line, but just how do you distribute the second line? What is the second line for, for the Minnesota wild? How are they going to produce? Are they going to be a more offensively uh, gifted type of second line? So then you can never really take off the pressure of the opposing team. Are they going to be a little bit more defensive minded? What is the second line going to do? That is my biggest question because, yes, you take a look at these players, as I mentioned, the Boldies, the Eriksson X, the, the Greenways, all those. And then you also have guys like Ryan Hartman, Tyson Jost, uh, Marcus Foligno as well. So it's almost that you have very good players. It's just a matter of maybe just the question in general is more is what is your lines for the, the, the Minnesota Wild? Because if you can really figure out those lines, they are going to be a scam. Absolutely. I 200% agree there. And I think that, uh, you know, with Marcus Foligno getting a little, little, little too physical last year, hopefully he reins it back in and uh, doesn't cost his team, uh, you know, kind of a key player when it comes to his presence on the ice and does not let the temper get the best of him but uh, did you not love the superman punch attempt <laughs> I, liked that. I liked it but like i don't know oh, I agree. You got to keep your head on your shoulders. You really do. But uh, speaking of teams who are able to keep their head on their shoulders, I mean, maybe not so much after their Stanley Cup uh, a parade. And that's not exactly uh, because of anything to their fault. It may have been alcohol induced. But that is the Colorado Avalanche, the reigning Stanley Cup champions. What a run it was for the Colorado Avalanche. Lost some pretty key uh, uh, players, though, from that team. So, Jess, what is your biggest question heading into next season for the reigning Stanley Cup champions, the Colorado Avalanche? Are they going to be splitting the goaltending? One, mm. like, you know, every other game, sort of, because they did sign Gorgiev. They traded for him. Uh, you know, with Darcy Kemper, I just blanked horribly, <laughs> uh, leaving in free agency. Are they going to do something like that? Or 
I, I don't know. I don't know what their goaltending situation is going to be. I think that it was a fantastic run for the pair in uh, the postseason and uh, Frank who's stepping up when he had to and when he needed to. And, you know, losing Kadri is not going to be easy either. That's an 80-point player right there that you're losing. So I are they going to... You know, I think the Stanley Cup hangover is always the question, but mm. how are they going to make these adjustments after such a successful year? A hundred percent. That Those are my two questions as well. Is the goaltending, obviously, like you said, they lost Darcy Kemper, who did take them on the biggest or bigger run on the uh the the in the cup run i mean obviously francois played mostly against the oilers and then kind of flip-flop between francois and kemper in the stanley cup final whoever was feeling better really to be honest with you and so you see that you see whether or not georgiev didn't have a fantastic season last year uh is can't will he be will it be a platoon do they trust francois uh, all the reports I've heard from Colorado have said that he must be the guy, but is he the guy? Like, yes, you just kind of won a cup with him or not kind of, you did just win a cup with him, but he wasn't necessarily the guy in that run. When he stepped into games, he was very important and did what he needed to. But now can he be the guy for a Stanley Cup winning team? I'm not 100% sure on that. And then, yes, again, on the other side is Nazem Kadri. You do lose a, a massive point getter on your team. Yes, you have guys on your team like Miko Rantanen, Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog. Let me know if you ever heard of these guys who can stand up and produce points but it's always nice to have Nazem Kadri, you know? It's always nice to have somebody who can also do it along with those guys. And and now you kind of lose that. You're not sure if somebody can step up. I mean, I'm a big Alex Newhook guy, but he's not a top six guy. It's There's there's not a lot of offensive – not not a lot of – but there, who can step up for Nazem Kadri in right. the place of Nazem Kadri? Who knows? Right. And I just thought about this, but – Kadri was one of the guys that, you know, you could get a physical aspect out of him. Mm. And you did. You got that. But you don't want to see your top guys getting too physical and facing injuries. Like, you don't right. have a little bit of leeway right now. So, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of uh, rolls out and what we get from them. I'm really interested not to just you know, obviously see how they follow up their success, but just to see the changes that they make to make it a, a hopefully another good hockey team. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Interesting little thing here. I was looking at their prospects to see who could potentially top end prospects who could potentially step up into uh, not necessarily a cadre role, but kind of help out in that Shane Bowers. Maybe I don't think he's a top six guy. He'll be a bottom six guy, but an interesting note here is that they have a guy in their organization who's currently at the University of Massachusetts. He's from Calgary, Alberta. Played for the Brooks Bandits. And no, I'm not talking about Kale McCarr. I'm talking about 
Taylor McCarr. They have Taylor McCarr. Right. Yeah, Kale, Kale's little brother here. So uh, he's, he's in their organization as well. So just maybe a little interesting. Selected in the seventh round, 220th overall. So nothing too nothing too exciting, but I just uh, I thought that was an interesting little deal. I, I, I mean, I love Kale McCarr. I'm a big Kale McCarr guy. I know yes. he killed our Edmonton Oilers, and that's fine. I just, I remember them, I remember Kale McCarr in the AJHL alone. And then when I saw him going to Colorado, I knew immediately that guy was going. And so many people now, they're like, oh, I knew as soon as I saw Kale McCarr, he was going to be something special. But you you, you can just tell by the way he carries himself, even from a young age, that he was going to be special. And I'm so, so, so excited to see what he does for an encore in the upcoming seasons from, from what he did this year. Yeah, I just, I love it. And I love that he went to a school in my home state and uh, mm. they have the best dining of all colleges, apparently in the area. Oh, really? I don't, yeah, I guess they have like really fancy dining halls and everything. Oh, I don't know. It, it's, oh. I've only been to the campus once and it was for a concert. So I didn't even like try to look at anything. It's Was it a good concert? Yeah, I saw Kelsey Ballerini. Oh, kind of rings a bell. <laughs> so, Fair enough. That's it for the Central Division. And yeah. I I think I still have some more questions for this division. Uh, especially, you know, I, I wonder if Phil Kessel signs in this division. Could he be How a does- guy for Colorado? Ooh, maybe and and that's the thing how does he then affect that team is it does he go to a team like nashville and then like my question was that scoring well then there you go there's your top end scoring right so you know the he could really there are a lot of interesting names out there that can still sign obviously phil kessel i'm a big evan rodriguez guy as well He is fantastic. It'll be interesting to see where he goes as well. A lot of moves still to be made, especially with training camp coming up. And obviously those position battles too. You might see a lot of movement soon. Yes. But for now, we will keep you covered through the off season. And as news breaks, you know where to find us here at Locked On NHL. And uh, every team has their respective local expert covering each and every team. Uh, I'm Jess Belmosto. You can find me at Locked on Flames and you can find my social media for the show at LO underscore Flames pod, as well as my personal account at Jess Belmosto. Brett, let's pass it over to you. Yes, you can find me personally at the real Holden Forty. That is on anything Instagram, Twitter, uh, Discord. I don't know. I'm just, but you don't care about me. I care about the Oilers, and uh, you can find us at Locked On Oilers uh, on Twitter. Just exactly how it sounds, Locked On Oilers. Or make sure you can also subscribe to us on YouTube at Locked On Oilers as well. There we are all over the place too. So make sure you tune into us there. <laughs> Yes, and make sure you tune in to the rest of this week's episode of Locked on NHL because we are here for you every day. Thank you all so much, and uh, we'll see you next week.